And welcome to yet another episode of the Polar FC podcast. I'm Chris Akonis, and my uh, co-host for today is Evando Thompson. Jacob and Kaor are off this week. We'll have them back on the next episode for sure. Uh, but a lot to break down. Uh, Euro quarterfinals in the rearview mirror. We've been down to our final four in that tournament. Um, you know, some interesting trends that have popped up over the last couple of tournaments. Vandy will get into that in just a moment. But before we get into the X's and O's of everything, um, Vandy, how's everything going with you? Hey, man, it's been going. I, I can't complain. If you're a fan of the game right now, this is the best time of the year. That summer national team action. These heroes have been everything but what we have expected. The group of death is the group of death because no, none of them made the quarter. So it, it's been crazy, but I'm loving it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I couldn't agree with that more. Um, you know, just it's been as good of a tournament as you could realistically expect from an entertainment perspective. Uh, down to our final four now, Spain and Italy in the first semifinal, uh, Denmark and England in the second. Uh, we'll break down those matchups a little bit later on in the show. But first, I want to go back and sort of uh, take a deeper dive into each of these matches one by one in the quarterfinals. I want to start um, with the first quarterfinal, which was Spain and Switzerland. Now, Spain, like I said, I wasn't really sure how to expect what to expect out of this because uh, Spain outside of, you know, putting up a ton of goals against Croatia in the round of 16, not really too, too impressive of a tournament by their standards. Um, and Switzerland coming off a big upset against France. I was kind of not sure how this, uh, this uh, game was going to play out, but ended up being a pretty decent match. Um, and, you know, we could talk about Spain all the day long, but um, the goalkeeping performance from Jan Sommer in that game in that shootout even was just, everything you could ask for out of a national team goalkeeper in a knockout game. I mean, he played well enough for Switzerland to go to the semifinals. And uh, unfortunately it didn't work out that way with the penalty shootout. But um, if there's a better goalkeeper in this tournament, I've yet to, I've yet to see one. It's crazy because I'm like, I mentioned it in the last podcast too. I'm a big advocate for possession. And that's like, when I look at, uh, a game that's the main thing I analyze. Who has the ball the most? And Spain had 73% possession in that match, and they had 10 shots on goal, and they only scored one goal. Summer has been amazing, and he's been another one of those bonus league of players who, if, you, if you're on the Twitter threads and the Reddit forums, you'll see people say, this is exactly why the Buddhist league is the best league in the world. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but there's so many players within that league that are a lot better than people realize and a lot uh, better than, than people think because they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't watch that league. So when you see them in these tournaments performing like they are, man, it, it really is something. And yes, I would definitely say summer is, was the best goalkeeper um, performing. Donnarumma has done a good job, but I don't think he's been tested enough uh, for Italy. And the same can be said for um, on the England side of things, because they have uh, haven't allowed a goal yet, but man, what a performance by Summer. And if you watch Spain in that game, you, you thought that they were threatening the whole game. They just came off that five-goal performance. I, I thought they would score more, Chris. I was kind of shocked at that. But, man, Summer has been good. I don't know if you follow the expected goals uh, Twitter account, but they've got the whole um, um, Spain and Hove Albion uh, meme going because uh, they wouldn't capitalize on their expected goals. I don't think this was a case of that. I think it was just Jan Summer playing out of his mind. Um, it, it was kind of – and, you know, it's not very often I make this comparison, but it was kind of reminiscent of 
um, Tim Howard against Belgium in the 2014 World Cup. I think that was – I'm not saying this was as good. I'm you saying say soccer plug? It was the closest you could get to it, <laughs> at least as from any tournament I can remember since then. So. I mean, yeah, yeah, like a Guillermo Ochoa performance type, or yeah, Tim Howard. Yes, exactly, exactly. If that's like that, yeah. if that's more your your cup of tea, I guess. But yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, all right, Vandy, I see you. But um, yeah, it's crazy. And for what it's worth, I think Switzerland had been one of those teams in UEFA that have been kind of. I don't want to say disrespective. I think they've been undervalued. They've got a lot of great talent on that roster. Uh, players like Xhaka, Shakiri, um, you know, and Jan Sommer, of course. But, um, you know, they're, they're, they're a team that probably has earned a lot of respect now that maybe didn't have before. Um, yeah. And as you get into Nations League, World Cup qualifying, all that. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they build off of that momentum. Um, and, you know, I'll definitely be interested to see what they can bring uh, going forward as a national team. What do you think if you gave an over under to the amount of shots that Spade had in that game, would it be over 15 or under 15? Total shots or shots on goal? Total shots. I'm going to say over 15. Over 20 or under 20? Under 20. They had 28 shots, Chris. 28. So you, there's no way that you, if you're Spain, you come out of that, out of that game with one shot. I mean, one goal. There's no yeah. way. So yeah. it's just like that print hats off to Switzerland, man. And I think a trend that I've been noticing is like when there's a skill gap between the players, like Portugal's a good team, but the Ronaldo's way better than the rest of the team. When there's not that big of a skill gap, like a Denmark, like a Ukraine, like a Switzerland, when when or when the players are around the same skill level, the camaraderie is there, the teamwork is better, and you can see them playing as a group and not as individuals. And that's what's led some of these countries to where they where they got got to. Yeah, and I, I will say this, and you know, as much as we talk about how good of a goalkeeper Jan Sommer is and the performance he had in that game and really across the whole tournament, Spain's going to have to be a bit more clinical with their opportunities um, between now and – or not between now uh, – when they play Italy in that semifinal on Tuesday because the Italians are known for a very organized back line, uh, some very, very you know, good defending – uh, and they don't take a lot of opportunities to really find the ball. They're very clinical with their opportunities when they do go forward. Exactly. They're very much a traditional Italian team in that regard. Uh, so they're going to be a very, very tough matchup for Spain. Uh, and, you know, I don't care who's in net. You've, if you have 28 shots, you better be coming away with more than one goal. Uh, you have that's, to. That's all I'm no going to say about no that. Choice. I think you're right on the money there, Vandy. Um, but with that, we're going to go to our second uh, quarterfinal of the first day, and that's going to be Italy and Belgium. Italians coming away with a two-to-one victory in this match. And, um, you know, I, I don't know how you can make the argument. You know, I talk about how it's coming home and all that uh, all the time, but I don't know how you can make the argument at this point that Italy is not the best team remaining in this tournament. Uh, just everything they do. Like their defense is so well organized. Everyone knows their position. Everyone knows where they're supposed to. You'll very rarely get a lapse in concentration in the back line for the Italians. And then just on the offensive side, they've just done a much better job of taking their opportunities. I think Immobile's had himself a pretty solid tournament. Yeah. Um, I, I, we, we've seen some real bangers of goals from them uh, all throughout this tournament. So I think that um, if I'm a national team mas- manager at this stage of the tournament, I want nothing to do. Um, with the Italians. It, uh, one of my favorite players 
to watch throughout this entire Euros has been Leonardo Spinazzola. It sucks that he tore his Achilles, but man, yeah. I thought that he was going to receive some massive contract after this tournament. Do you realize that he was playing wing, not wing back, wing, and he's a primarily like a uh, defensive player? It's yes. funny that he was playing so high and he was clocked at the fastest time out of any other player. If you told me that a freaking defender had the fastest time out of any player in the Euros, there's no way I would believe that. Faster than Ronaldo, faster than any, you know, quick, speedy guy that you can think of that that plays at the front of the line. Spinazzola was the fastest player in these in this Euros. And they, 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 it goes, they're the best example of, team, of teammates that don't have a big skill gap in front of them. Like a lot of these teams, they have, they have faces and personalities of the team. But when you think of Italy, there is no face of the team. It's just a good collective unit with solid pieces at every, every aspect, every part of the 11, every single one of the guys they put out there is solid. So yeah, man, Italy is not the team you want to be playing right now. They just, they haven't lost a match in like 31 matches consecutively before they allowed uh, that extra time goal. Um, in in the quarters, I think they went like a, some like a thousand minutes without a line of goal, something crazy like that. So, man, this Italy team is on a come up. And Donnarumma is only twenty three years old. I feel like he's been playing since he was twelve or something. How 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 many caps he has? But yeah, man. Yeah, well, I think to get to your point on Donnarumma, um, I believe he went pro when he was sixteen, and it mm-hmm. was right when Buffon was retiring from the national team. So he almost like perfectly like lined up timing wise in terms of um. Ma- taking his opportunities there. And, you know, unless, mm-hmm. unless the Italians manage to develop an even better goalkeeper, which, you know, I'd be very impressed if they did. Uh, Donnarumma is probably going to be the starter for the Azzurri for at least the next 15 years. Exactly. He really and, is that good. And it's funny because when you think about keepers, like let's say, let's say Germany, for example, Ter Stegen was, was a, a freaking starter in goal for Barcelona, but he didn't start over Neuer in his prime. So it's like when you have a solid keeper, you're not leaving. You're not leaving the starting eleven for a while, even if Italy does develop some talent that's as good as Donnarumma. He's amazing for his age. So, yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be around for a long time, and I wouldn't be surprised if he inks some deal within the next year or two. Yeah, definitely gonna be someone to watch for sure. Um, and these tournaments always seem to end up, you know, be it Euros, Copa America, yeah. even like you know some of the. Uh, quote unquote lower tournaments like the gold cup you usually find one or two players uh, that make a name for themselves in that tournament and have a change of fortunes at the club level so that's always interesting to watch denmark and the czech republic i i feel like this was probably um you know not a whole lot to talk about here denmark took an early lead um pretty convincingly uh controlled the game and you know i just sort of you sort of felt like that they were in control for most of the game so um, obviously still playing very well, uh, punching above their weight without Christian Eriksen in the squad. Um, so that's always, you know, nice to see that they're being able to play well for him. Um, and, you know, I don't think England should sleep on this Denmark team at all. They, they, they're playing better than the sum of their parts. Uh, they've got some players that, you know, have really proven their medal at the top leagues in the world. Um, and, you know, if you fall asleep, they can burn you. So, um, I was fairly impressed with how Denmark uh, has showed up this knockout round and uh, in this game in particular. One thing I will say is this tournament, all right, besides the whole Denmark dream story, it's, it's remarkable what they're doing. Um, I, w- I didn't even think that they would make it past the group stage, to be honest with you. And to be in the semifinals is no short of, of an absolute 
great performance. I mean, without your best player, without the player that would hold the entire field together, is not there. And, and and his replacement Delaney has been fantastic. But this tournament has been a tournament of revival, rejuvenation, recovery, whatever you want to call it. Because there's been so many players who have flopped or haven't been playing well for their club side, and then they come to the Euros and and, and they're 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 uh, big contract guys. Casper Dolberg, one of them for for the Danish side. Man, he hasn't been you know really doing too much with Nice. I know he's a young guy, but he's been really great in that center forward attacking position for them. And on the other side, other side of thing, Patrick Schick, who had a good chance to take home the golden boot, man, he was, you know, Roma flop, but wow. He's been, he, it seems like he's scoring every other game or every game. Um, in some cases, like, man, he's, he's been really good. So uh, it's just the Czech Republic. I didn't think they were going to make it this far ne- neither, but they've, they were, they've been playing well. Um, England does have their hands full if they t- underestimate this Danish team because they've shown their resilience, they've shown their their camaraderie, they've shown their ability to, to just grind games out. I mean, England, I've always said this, and I think that's why that they, they've, they fell short in previous years. It just seems like they, whenever the expectations – are too high or whatever they are on the right path they just flop i don't know if it's an english thing or something but you cannot underestimate this danish team they're here for a reason um but yeah it should make for a good semifinal. yeah definitely will make it a good semifinal, and that that leads me to england ukraine i mean what more is there to say uh this is as convincing uh as i've seen uh the english at any point feels like almost ever i know they were playing ukraine and they're you know you know, credit to them. They've had a great tournament um, also punching above their weight, but um, you know, England just were complete control of that game from start to finish. The finishing was clinical. Uh, they were really creating and taking advantage of their opportunities. Uh, it didn't feel like the England of old um, and, you know, um, how the semifinal plays out remains to be seen, whether or not they can uh, get one more win and uh, play themselves through to the final. Um, but, you know, I, I, am very impressed with the job that Gareth Southgate has done um, building off the momentum from the world cup three years ago uh, and really showing out in this tournament. It's been a joy to watch. I kind of didn't like Southgate's choices with some of the people who he was putting in the lineup in the group stages, but it, it, it's come around to show that he's there for a reason and, and it, he knows what he's doing. Um, man, is it far-fetched to say that Kane's the best striker in the world? I feel like it has to be him or Lewandowski at this point. I feel like, yeah. I mean, he, I feel like he gets a bit of a bad rap for whatever reason. I don't know if it's because His he plays for Tottenham. I don't know if it's because, you know, in the past he's had, like, a tendency to, like, score a lot of tap-ins or, quote-unquote, easy goals. Uh, yeah. I'm not saying I agree with that, but that I feel like he's been a lot of the criticism. But, yeah, um, yeah I mean, in terms of production, I think it'd be you'd be hard-pressed to argue against him. Like – if you think about it, whether it's tappings or whatever, you still have to put yourself in that position to tap the ball. You still have to be there. You know what I'm saying? So, and that's a criticism that people may have of the way Ronaldo's been scoring his goals or something, but it's just about placement. If, if everybody could do it, they would be there too. I mean, but any place for Tottenham, like if he goes to a city like people are keep saying, then who knows how many goals he scored. He freaking, how, he led it, he led this team in goals and assists. I didn't see Lewandowski doing that this year, so... I mean, if he if they manage to come away with the Euros, I don't think he can win Ballon d'Or because not, his club hasn't been doing 
enough as far as trophy winning. They're just a trophyless club. <laughs> no, no shade there, Tottenham. You just, you guys just don't. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, I, I think that it's either him or Lewandowski, and and I would I wouldn't wouldn't be mad if anybody said that Kane's the best striker right now because it's it's very clinical what he's been doing, and I'm very glad to see. Uh, the way that Sterling's been playing. I feel like he's one of the players who have been heavily criticized over his uh, national team play. But I think I saw something where he had like 15 or 16 goals in his last 20 caps. And that's amazing. So um, if there's one thing I would say, I mean, there's, there's it's you're, you'd be really hard for us to find errors in a 4-0 uh, victory that sent you to the semis. But uh, Jaden Sancho, he received a, a match rating of four. That's very low for for a very important player within their midfield. So, and somebody who I thought would dominate and, and really show the world why he's one of the best young talents. I really like the kid, but uh, man, he has to improve. And as long as they don't underestimate their opponent, like I think they do sometimes, they should go to the final. Yeah, I mean, right now, if I'm placing my bets, and you know, it might be uh, no comment <laughs> in be. that department. <laughs> Um, I'd be, I'd be going with Italy and England to the final. I just think that they, they both match up really well against their opponents. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, um, I see an Italy, England final. I see Italy taking home the whole thing at this stage. Um, that's my impression after seeing each team play five games. Um, uh, but we'll just have to wait and see how that, uh, shapes out. And, um, you know, it's been a good tournament uh, so far. Um, Vandy, I want to get your thoughts on what you expect out of these semifinals before we uh, sort of head over to uh, some other topics you want to touch on. I, I think Italy is just a more complete team. Uh, they do they do well with their substitutions as well. I like that aroma and goal. I like their back line. I like um, the midfield. I like what they do up top. So I got them winning that. Um in England, like I said, as long as they don't underestimate this Danish team, they should win by multiple goals, I think, 2-0, 3-1, something like that. Um, and and we'll see how the finals go, but it's it, it should be England's take home, in my opinion. If they lose, it's not going to be a shocker, but they should take it home. All right. And on that note, um, we're going to move on from our Euro preview, recap, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, um, something that Vandy has noticed, uh, and I'm sure he's far from the only one, um, uh, this trend that's been going on at least for the last decade, Vandy, um, going back to the 2010 world cup where whoever won the previous tournament or won like the previous major tournament, um, goes on to massively underperform in the following tournament. I mean, you know, you talk about Germany and France in this tournament, um, 2018, it was Spain, Netherlands didn't even make it. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm blanking on some of the others. Maybe you can walk us through it a bit more in depth. Yeah. This has been a, a recurring trend and one that I think is worth exploring a little bit more in depth. It's great. Let's just go back to 2006 with Italy taking home the world cup. So they get, you get to 2010 yep. and they get exactly two points in their group stage. They didn't even qualify for the round of 16, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. They had two draws and they lost one. And then you go to 2010, obviously everybody remembers that Spain-Netherlands opening game where Arjen Robin was doing the, 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 the bib thing to the camera and kissing the camera and the flying Dutchman header for Robin Van Persie. What a great game. I love that game. Love the announcer. I remember it like it was yesterday. Spain got absolutely demolished in a um, 
No, that was 2014. Sorry. They won in 2010, and then it came back in 2014 and got uh, demolished. And then you had Germany, who will be Argentina in a, a crazy game, Mario, Super Mario Götze. Come back in 2018, and you have Chucky Lozano ending them. Um, and then South Korea, I don't know if – I can't remember the result of that game, but they, they, they gave them a run for their money. I think – I think Germany's tone that Tony Cruz goal inside of the 18 was amazing. Uh, but still that goal was just to, to freaking get them some points. So they were struggling. And then you go to France who won uh, in 2018 in Russia, amazing win. They get here. They didn't underperform, but the fact that they're not still left in the tournament is, is, is a slight downturn from a team who in many people's eyes were, were going to repeat if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for a Belgium win, a lot of people were saying that France would take it home. So that was a shocker. Um, and I don't know what it is. It's just like these teams, they come back in Portugal. They, they won in 2016. I know it's five years ago now with COVID and everything, but they underperformed a little bit in my eyes too. Uh, didn't see them having this early of an exit. They did get a bad draw with the, the brackets and everything, but still, man, it's this tread where you win the tournament. I don't know if it's age. I don't know if it's players not living up, I mean, playing the same way they did in the past, but you get to the next tournament and they just underperform or they just don't, they just don't have the same players. They don't have the same chemistry. don't have the same hunger because you just won in the previous tournament and you get there and then you just, Crash, tra- crash, fall and crash and burn. It's just crazy, crazy to see. Yeah, and I think there's a couple of reasons why that might be the case. Um, first and foremost, I think there's a bit of a you get a bit entrenched um, and sometimes when you win a major tournament because it's like, all right, well, these players won us a major tournament. Um, you know, we can't true. really just uh, throw them to the curb, or you know, at least that's like the thought process, I guess. And you sort of find yourself playing the same players over and over again, over and over again. And then, you know, younger players don't really get as much of an opportunity to prove themselves. And the older players, oftentimes, um, four years after they win a major tournament, they're not quite the same players that they are. Now, that's not always the case. France is still a pretty young team by international standards. Um, they've got a bit of a window with the current group they have. Um, but that I feel like that was definitely the case with, you know, you could say Germany, Um if you want to talk about Croatia, even though they were kind of an underdog in 2018, um, they had a lot of the same players three years later, even though a lot of them were on the wrong side of 30. Um, you know, Italy definitely in 2010, France uh, much the same. Uh, a lot of cases where, you know, the just countries just stuck with the old guard too long and um, there was never really that transition. Um, so I think that that's one aspect of it. Um, and, you know, it can also come down to holding on to the same manager for too long. Uh, there's a reason why international managers, even the ones that win world cups typically don't stay around for more than four or five years at a given country. Uh, like Vicente Del Bosque won three major tournaments with Spain, two euros in a world cup after 2014, he was out. And, you know, at the time it was the right move because Spain needed fresh blood. Um, you know, and you see the only exception to that rule really was Jurgen Love. Uh, who had a much longer run of success with Germany than um, Joachim, Joachim. than people probably expected. Uh, and even him, 15 years on, Germany have underperformed massively in their last two uh, tournaments, uh, more so the World Cup than the Euros, but still. It's, that's uh, what's... So it's sort of just, I think it's a case of the old guard hanging on a bit too long uh, a lot of times. Uh, could be a coaching, players, whatever. Um, and things just get a bit stale. I guess maybe you lose a bit of that edge. 
I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like the reasons sort of vary uh, for each team, and you know, we'll we'll just have to wait and see whether that continues and uh, whether it'll still be coming home in eighteen months uh, time uh, with England. So we'll have to just wait and see in that regard. It, it really is funny because um, Italy, Italy's in that same case. The change of the guard, you get yep. a new generation of a new wave of players. I remember Italy was one of those giants that constantly were at the top of these tournaments. And, and I feel like for like 10 years, they fell off the face of their head. Nobody was really talking about them on a national level. And now they're back again. So maybe they Germany has to go through that stage. You, you lost a great generation of players and no more Urzil. Cruz announced the other day that he's quitting. Probably there's there's um, no more Neuer uh, and, and some other players that I may be missing out on. So it's just it, you just see that maybe it's one of those things where you have a generation of great players like Belgium. They're 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 is running out. That golden generation that people talked about so heavily has our Lukaku, De Bruyne, and they ran out of their chance. I feel like. It's unfortunate because De Bruyne was playing with a torn ligament in his freaking ankle. But, man, sometimes when you don't get the job done or you do get the job done that one time, it's hard to, to continue that that moment. And that, that may be what you're alluding to, Chris. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I out of all of them, I probably feel the most for Belgium just because Belgium – historically is not the greatest team in the world. They're not like quite on the level of an Italy or a Spain or a France or a Germany. Um, they're, they're a, a, na- a national team that sort of has like their peaks and valleys. Um, and you know, who knows how long, I mean, De Bruyne is going to be around for a while, but uh, some of these other guys, uh, are getting older. Um, so their window is closing a bit and, you know, I guess world cup 22 in 18 months is probably their, uh, next uh, best chance to get something done and you know it'll be interesting to see how they respond but um it's just i mean the draw they had didn't do them any favors either but yeah um, you know unfortunate for them and you know we'll have to just wait and see how that uh plays out yeah so um looks like that's gonna do it for uh, this shortened episode of polar fc we'll have uh, all the usual suspects back here next week. Uh, you can follow us at Polar FC Pod on Twitter. Going to have some fun content going out there, um, and we'll keep you posted. Maybe we do some live reaction stuff after uh, the semifinals. Uh, we'll 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 hash that out in our uh, group chat, and we'll uh, we'll keep you guys posted on social media. So, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll check in with you guys next time.